everybody, and welcome to the uh, Dragon Cast of Drexel Basketball Podcast. I'm Nate, and we got the usual crew here. We got Bill, Dan, and Leon. So uh, we're going to spend some time talking about the games that went on over the last week. We're going to start with the men's games. We'll go through Penn, and then we're taping this on a Monday night, so we just got done with the UT Arlington game. We'll talk about that. And then we'll go through women's basketball. They had a, a couple games this week, too, and and uh, we'll go through that, too. So hang with us here and, uh, you know, go back to the Penn game. We'll start out. So uh, Drexel loses that game uh, to Penn with 64 to 59. And it really was kind of an ugly first half. We shot very poorly. Uh, had us at 8 of 26 from the floor, 2 for 10 from 3, 4 for 9 from the free throw line. Penn wasn't great either. I mean, they were 14 for 28, which is pretty good. But, uh, I mean, I, I looked at the family at, at with like maybe a minute or two left, and I was like, man, if we could stay within 15, I feel like we've you know, maybe won something here. And we actually were almost in single digits until we gave it that turnover and that layup at the buzzer. So ended up being down double figures. Played a better second half. I think we were just in general not quite as tight. We were willing to actually shoot the ball. And it was Luke House that kind of got us going and hit some threes that uh, kind of got everybody else in rhythm a little bit. And um, so he finished. I have He was nine points in the game on three of six shooting. Uh, and that was from three-point range. Um, and then we still it was just terrible from the free throw line the entire game. And really, it looked like we were just going to kind of walk out of there losing by 10 to 15 points somewhere in there if we were lucky. And then just made a run out of nowhere and got ourselves 57-55 with a little under two minutes left. Amari was, well, we'll talk, I'm sure, more about his performance overall. Uh, he had a good good night for us. And it was kind of the trigger throughout the night. He finished with 20 points on 8 of 14 shooting. Probably did more in the first half. Kept us in the game, really. He had 13 points in the first half. And then it was uh, Clark Slacker who just came up with the big shots when Penn really needed him and hit a three from the top of the key that, that kind of sealed it. We actually had the, a chance. We were down only three. We had a chance to tie the game at the end, and it was kind of a long shot. But uh, really, that was kind of the dagger for Penn, and they sort of uh, kind of escaped at the end after it looked like they were going to kind of dominate us all the way through. Jordan Dingle kind of lived up to the reputation. He had 21 points and uh, had a good night for Penn. But, uh, you know, I, I ended up feeling a little bit better as we walked away. It looked like Penn was just going to dominate us the whole way. At least we made it. I, I got the chance to to kind of pump my fist and yell and scream and look across at the Penn fans because we were in a set, section next to them and saw some fear in their eyes. So it made the, the trip down uh, worth it for me. But, uh, yeah, um, so we'll go around. Uh, who wants to start kind of throwing their two cents about the game on, on Tuesday? Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind jumping in just because I think Penn is, in my eyes, maybe like an average GAA team, like as far as level of play. And so to see, you know, kind of that level of team come into the deck, um, which actually had, a you know, a decent home court advantage, I thought, I thought the, the turnout was pretty good. Um, and walk away with a win is disappointing, really disappointing for me. I, I thought that, that game... Uh, feeling pretty good coming out of the opener, right? Leon, I think I might have mentioned that you don't uh, want to read too much into the opener. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really disappointing um, to me. I thought um, the guards in particular um, didn't didn't really put on a show. I also thought um, what you said, Nate, was very important. The first 10 minutes or so looked pretty rough, 10 to 15 minutes. And I think you, you knew it was going to happen. Um, Penn was 0-3 coming into that one. They were going to West Virginia after leaving the deck. Like this was kind of a backs against the wall. You don't want to be 0 five, right? In a 30 game schedule. Um, they, they kind of needed that. They were a little desperate for this early in the season. And you knew that they were going to come out swinging. And I didn't think our guys were really, you know, jumping off the walls coming out of the locker room, right? I didn't think they were super, super psyched up for this one. I think they came out a little flat against the Penn team that was really coming out looking to throw a punch and they landed it. Um, I think if that game goes another 10 minutes, we'd probably come back and win it. I think Drexel's maybe the better team. But I, I think that they weren't, you know, they got beat out of the gate hard, hard, hard. And then they were in catch up more the rest of the way. And the other thing I, I saw that, you know, kind of disappointed me. It looked a little bit better today against Arlington. But you look at um, Coltrane, Lamar Odin, and Matei combined for one of three from two-point range. That's three of your five starters. 
They only took three shots between the arc combined. Um, it's also two two years seniors, you know, and a junior. These are upper class veteran players. Uh, Penn wasn't so great defensively inside that, you know, that demanded that they couldn't drive the ball. Um, Justin Moore had seven shots from two. Jamie Bergens had was four of six off the bench from two. You could drive on these guys. We just weren't with 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 our veteran players, and it was really disappointing. Really wanted to see just a lot more out of them. And I think we'll talk about Matei as the podcast rolls along. But I, I thought that's where we really got beat. I mean, coaching wasn't great, but you can't get two points from combined from Lamar Odin and, and Okros as two of your starters. I mean, just that and the free throws, clearly. I mean, nine, what, we were nine for 20. I mean, that's not going to get the job done uh, anywhere, really. Um, but yeah, but, I mean, those two guys should be really need to step it up. Um, and like I said, we'll get into Arlington a little bit later, but then Okros is struggling still. But, um, but yeah, no, that, that, I, I would agree. The guards need to step up, and they didn't in that game. And it's one of those things, right? We just beat ODU. And I know you told me not to get too hyped up, but I was pretty hyped up going into the Penn game. Uh, I, I definitely wanted to win that one desperately. Second time they're coming to the DAC. Uh, and uh, the DAC was packed. I got to give it to the DAC pack. And, you know, the folks that were maybe at the ODU game that came back, you know, people were there to to uh, to support the Drexel team. And we had, we had more fans, you know, by far more fans than the Penn team did. But to your point, they came out like they came out strong. And I guess we were caught a little bit on our back foot uh, and we couldn't execute on some fundamentals, right? Free throw shooting. Come on. Not, I'm not expecting us to go damn near perfect like Penn did. Uh, and I think that did make the difference. Them going perfect and us going 45% from the free throw line. Uh, that is the game. Like we would have won the game if it wasn't for that. Despite all our shortcomings outside of that. And uh, it, it seemed very apt that we tried to find some hope at the very end. I think Marshall was at the game and he turned to me with the, the now made famous with Ted Lasso, but the perpetual English soccer quote of the hope that kills you. Because, you know, we, we just had to make it close enough to make it feel like, hey, maybe there's a shot. We could, we could pull this one out still. Maybe there's a miracle, miracle that, uh, you know, that'll come to existence, but we, we couldn't get it done. And, uh, Battle for 33rd Street, you know, I was hoping it would be on, uh, Drexel would be winning it, but it ended up being Penn. And that between that Clark, uh, Mark Slouchert and uh, Dingle, you know, they, they des- I guess they deserve the win over there. And, and their coach seemed pretty, like, I know, Donahue? Yeah, Steve Donahue, which is Coach Spiker's former head coach. So, like, he seemed good, you know, he seems to, they had that hashtag Wanow on all their outfits. I was like, what the hell is Wanow? And I had to, I had to search that up and I found the daily Pennsylvanian article about the the Maori phrase I guess that they've adopted as part of uh, as part of their program too it's uh, something that the what is it the New Zealand all blacks have as their motto of uh, it means extended family and I guess the it's <laughs> it's the New Zealand all blacks and you you Penn basketball uh, the two programs that are that are sharing that quote right now so seem to work for them though you know, so I got, I got to give it to them. But, you know, I definitely wish the result wasn't what it was, especially with the attendance that we had. You know, you need wins in big games like that because that just drives the uh, kind of grows that fandom exponentially when you have a big win and we couldn't get it done. So that definitely hurt. Killer, especially with the big break coming up here. You've got the tournament that out there on the road for Thanksgiving. Uh, Temple's on the road. You don't come back until the 30th. So. You know, it's like two weeks between home games. You'd like to have that, that good taste on the tongue with the fans thinking about the last time of the deck, and, and that, that is tough. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, let's put it out there. We all love Luke House. I mean, he's like the player that, you know, you, you just you just love. And it just, I, but then again, I looked at it, it was like for him to be the trigger man, I don't think that's necessarily what we want. And I mean, it just seemed like everybody was hesitant. I think you guys said he could, we, a couple guys could have driven and they weren't idea what you think was going on there maybe it was like a first big game for some of these guys so just kind of adjusting to that situation but any thoughts on that well we're talking about coltrane right mate and, and lamar so so no it's not the first big game right right uh, i i just you know it's funny that you mentioned luke house and i'm glad you did because uh, mike tuberos on the air was just i think he got matched up on dingle late um when the game was tight and Tubes kind of just said, hey, this is not the matchup you want if you're a Drexel fan. 
pretty much. You know, I mean, you, you know, you know, Luke House is is uh, he's hard nosed, he's rugged, he's everything else, but he's not the most athletic guy in the gym. And you don't want him on on the other guy team's best player. He's he's provided an offensive spark. He was fifty percent from three going into tonight's game. He was fine tonight. But to your point, Nate, like I get why the coaching staff would want to get behind a guy like that, right? You want to you want to back the guy who's working his ass off in the room who can kind of be a leader in practice and and and, and who's fighting for minutes because that's um, good culturally for your program to see those guys succeed. So you want to see every, you want everybody else to see that guy succeed to want to work harder to want to work work like that guy, and if he's the hardest working guy in the locker room, uh, personally I wish it was Amari Williams. But if he's the hardest working guy in the locker room, then you know you want to set that tone. So I get that. Do I think you want to be in a position where he's the best option in a rivalry game at home with five minutes left in a tight game? That tells me you you have a personnel issue, right? I mean. Or you're not ready to compete. And again, if the Penn is an average CAA team, your guards were were beat just all night. Um, and Luke House was probably the most best offensive performer in that group. Uh, besides maybe Jamie Bergen's off the bench. And I actually really like what I've seen out of Jamie. Um, he's He's got some questionable decision-making, but he's got all the tools, I think, to, to be successful. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I think we got to talk about Matei a little bit as well. Um, because it's tough to see a fourth-year player, you know, um, been an integral part of this team, but he's not a plus defender. I, I, I don't care what the coaches say. To me, he's not a plus plus defender to my eye. He brings length, to, but I don't think he has the athleticism really. Um, and if he's not providing the offense, you know, he's got five points in three D1 games this year. That's that's four-year starter, 1.3 points per game against kind of average competition. Like that's a concern. I don't know if it's a lingering injury issue from last year or if he's something new or, or anything in between, but they're going to have to make a decision with him pretty soon if this keeps up. I, I, but again, to your point, Nate, who's behind him, Luke House? I think you need Shane, I, I think you need Shane Blank, Blakeney. Yeah, it, it, we definitely missed, I guess, Shane Blakeney, who we haven't seen yet, and I hope uh, comes back after, I think, we, was it two weeks we heard? Uh, so hopefully he'll be back, uh, coming back and or coming in for the first time in two weeks. But it, it just didn't seem like we could get anything going though in that pen game. And I don't know what it was. I couldn't like put a finger on what it was that we like forgetting free throws for a second. Even in the first half, we couldn't even shoot a three. Uh, we were like going twenty percent from the three point line. It looked like, uh, like what, Bill? What did you see that like it was it just? What did it look like? I guess from the you were watching it at least on TV. What, like, was it just a lack of energy? Like, what did it look like to you on Flow Sports, where you watch this, I assume? This is a Flow Sports plug as well. Yeah, I did watch it on Flow. I mean, it just like, to Dan's point earlier, it just seemed like the, the guards just aren't hitting shots. They're not producing, especially the, the starting guards in, in this case. I mean, like, Sid Bergens and House came to play, but um, you just can't have, like, Okros out there just taking up space. I mean, that's basically what he's doing right now. He's just... He's not shooting well, and if he's not shooting well, I don't even know why he's out there. Um, Mar Odin, up until I would say the game tonight, had been a little disappointing for me. I mean, it's really early in the season, but you know, he need he needed to play better. We we can't have just Amari having to carry the entire load by himself with you know Luke House hitting threes. I mean, you, you need other players to step up, um, and we didn't have that. But I mean, to Dan, to Dan Floyd too. Like I, I would, with Okros, I would try to bring him off the bench at least. I mean, you, he ha- he can't be in the starting lineup anymore. I mean, maybe you start, you could start Bergens right away. I think just put him in the starting lineup. I mean, I know he's, you know, the backup point guard, but they run together at times anyway. Put him in. Uh, the year we went to the tournament, I think Okros really started playing better once he was coming off the bench behind Xavier Bell. Um. If I'm correct, so give it a shot. I mean, he's just—he's not. There's something wrong right now. It has to be in his head. I, I mean, he's too good of a shooter. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. Like Dan said, maybe it's injury driven, but you have to try something else. He—he he can't be out there this many minutes, not hitting shots. And, and Ken Palm's got a stat um, usage rate. I, I'm wary of stats this early in the season, right? Because kind of. Um, it's uh, it, it's you can again stats can lie, and and usage stats and everything else is it's just too early. It's just, sample's too small, but 
you know, they've got him under, uh, Mate under nearly invisible, less than 12% of positions, possessions used. Like he, to your point, Bill, you're hundred percent right. He's out there and he's, he's, they're not passing the ball to him in a position to shoot. And they're, uh, you know, they're just not ready to, it doesn't look right out there. It doesn't look right. Something's, something's not working and he's not even being involved in the offense, let alone taking shots and missing. For him, age eight, three attempts in three games is actually really short too. You know, he's only taken two and a half, roughly shots a game for three, which you, you want to just give him the opportunity more than that. So no part of this is working out well. He is, I think, you know, maybe one or two assists. He, he only had five points in the Arcadia game for crying out loud. Like you think he'd, he played 26 minutes, you know, and this, get, get your jitters out or whatever it is. He, at the Penn game, and that's the only game I was in person for. He looked a little, like in person, he looked like his, uh, he almost looked like unnerved, like a little unnerved. I don't know. He didn't look like he felt confident out there at any point during the game. This was even before he took his first shot off the game. So, so I don't, I like, I forgot about his injury from last year. I don't know if there's something still like, lingering from that. I, it ha- I'm hoping it's an explanation like that because a fourth year player that is starting right now. He's definitely not at the caliber or anywhere close to what he should be doing. I'm going to follow up too. There was a conversation on I think, the Slack channel about, did we go to Amari Williams too much? And I was sitting there. It's like, at some point, it just seemed like it, it, it kind of torn because in some sense, where else were we going to go for points? And I mean, he did have a great game. But then again, there were some plays where it, it's hard to put my finger on it. You felt like if he would have gone up strong or you know made one quick move and gone to the basket, he would have scored. He got caught off, uh, off off his feet a couple times on defense. Uh, he did have the highlight reel play, which, by the way, credit all our marketing people. Uh, I don't blame them. They plastered that dunk all over the place. So you know, forget the score. Show Amari's dunk. That was great, great, uh, a great job on their point. But did you guys feel it? Maybe at some point we went, uh, we should have bailed on that a little earlier. Should I kind of go both ways with this one, Nate? I'm just say, um, I I have no problem with how much I went to Amari, but I agree with you. He's he's. He, his first move is not fast enough. I thought watching him in Arlington tonight, I caught the back half of the game, but he, they were double teaming him instantaneously. And it was always take a second and then pass out, take a second, take a dribble, then pass out. You know, you have the double team coming, you want to move the ball, right? And and um, I do, I, I agree with you. The, the hesitation's there. That's having a real impact on the offense. I think he needs to catch the ball closer to the hoop, too. I don't know why he's catching the ball so far away and then he has to face up dribble to the hoop a little bit and then back him down. Like get him, get better position near the hoop right away. Like uh, it makes no sense. There's multiple times, even during the Arlington game tonight where you just caught the ball out by like the free throw line or closer to the three point line. Like, why is he getting the ball there? But that seems to be by design though, right? It seems to be by design that he catches the ball on top of the key. I do not understand that absolutely either. Like, and we were forcing that at the pen game at points and it would lead to a turnover sometimes because he would just not get you know, pass that ball out quickly enough. But to your like, but Bill, I completely agree with you, but it seems like that's something we want to do or seems like that's part of the design at this point for Amari to catch it on top of the key. It does seem like it's part of the offense. I don't know. I don't understand why. Like, get him to fight for position inside, get him closer to the hoop so he has easier little hook shots in there. He doesn't have to go very far. Well, Bill, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not smart enough here, so, so help me out, but... One thing we always hear about him from the coaching staff is that he's an elite passer, right? If, if you really feel like a passing is a big piece of his game, do you want, want him in the high post so that, you know, he can, you know, create things for other people, create cuts towards the basket, not clog the middle. And then, you know, if nothing's there, he can, he, he has the ability to go off the dribble and get towards the basket. Is that, you think? No, yeah. You, it you seems like a reasonable, what they're going for. You could be right on that. I, I just think you're losing some of his offensive potential doing that like having to have him dribble uh put the ball on the floor get close to the hoop and he can pass out like if he can pass out a double team from the post too he can he can make things happen from there too but you know if that's what they're going for then you know that's fine he just needs to at times get a little bit closer to the hoop because when we need a bucket that's the guy you can feed he can go get you a bucket most times but i don't want to see him shooting like a you know eight or nine foot hook shots like there's no there's no need for that. Get, get close to the hoop, and he's he's pretty accurate from in there. Yeah, and he had a, he he did have a good pass today, and I I get that comment completely. Uh, that you want, it, but look for the pass if it's not there. Give it 
and like look for that like a really good pass that sets up another player for an easy layup. If it's not there, pass it and go back under the hoop. But he's float he's still floating around the three point line for some reason. <laughs> you are not a three point shooter. And they don't even guard him out there. I mean they literally they don't even bother going near him when he's on the three point line. Like Arlington like just left him there. Um and, and and crowded everyone else. So I don't know if, how much that helps you. Um, he is a good passer, though. I do like his passing ability. He, you know, he did create a couple looks well, for his teammates tonight, too. But I'd like to see him get closer to the For the record, I agree with you. I was just going with the devil's advocate, but I think that they might be going for it. Yes, please give him the ball to the basket. Yeah, yeah. You put the, now you say that, that's a big part of it. He's catching the ball too far away. And he's got to do so much work just to get in. You know, and, and then sometimes I feel like he fades away. He forces the shots because he's got to do too much work to get to the to where he should have been when he first touched the ball. Um, I, I I mean, good passer. I don't know that I'd use elite passer. Like I said, I can think of one play today where he made a nice pass. I don't need an elite passer. I need, yeah, a double team, get rid of the ball to the wide open player. That's all you really need. So, but, um, and I, I guess the last point on the game too, and, and, and it kind of feeds into, again, I guess you kind of how we maybe scout our own talent and, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of left it again. I was, I was actually in a good mood leaving the game I, I, at one point. I, Cause at least, again, at least I got to look across the, the stairs there at the pen fans and see pain. And that at least made it worth it. And plus the, you know, the, the atmosphere there's, you know, still to full house. My son was into it, everything they're adding on it, it. It is a good experience, but you know, so I left feeling pretty good walking out of there. At least we made it interesting. But then, you know, I, I it dawned on me the next morning, I was like, you know, in some sense, I, 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 I guess after the game, I was like, you know, I, I feel like Penn is picked second in the Ivy League. You feel like maybe this is a team they've been building towards, although they're probably not feeling good about things because, like you said, they're pretty close to being 0-5. I think they got stomped by West Virginia after they played us. So it's like, okay, Penn's building to something, and we're not. You know, we're kind of maybe at the at sort of a little lower on the pole of trying to rebuild. But then I was like, you know, but Coach Spiker is not new. I mean, he's been around for a while. So and then I, and, and I'm looking at this too. I'm an LSU fan, by the way. And, and, you know, Brian Kelly comes in and, and it's a different situation, but I think LSU fans are kind of like, Hey, you know, let's, let's just hope we get better game by game and see if this team gets better. Now, lo and behold, they won the SEC West and overachieved, but I, I don't know. I, I just kind of walked the next morning. I was like, you know, we really shouldn't be at a rebuilding phase. We should be more at a, a level of, um, you know, like we've built towards something and I, I guess, um, early in the season, but I don't know about you guys, but, um, it's just a small sample size. I, I guess I'm hoping we see that progress as we go game by game. I, I mean, yeah, I think when you just lose as many players as we did, it's gonna, it's hard not to rebuild a little bit, just the transfer port. I mean, if we had Xavier Bell, TJ Bickerstaff and, uh, you know, Cam Winter here or not, I mean, that's a pretty amazing team that you have going at that point. Whereas now we've lost all those guys and the guys who graduated and you're looking at, you know, what are we bringing eight, nine guys um, this year? So it's just, it's hard to transfer portal losing that many guys, but team's been up and down so far a little bit, but I've been encouraged, especially with the last two games. I know one of them was a D3 game, but at least it got some of the guys on track. I feel like, uh, especially Lamar Odin, you know, I, 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 yeah, I hear that we keep turning the roster over in a sense. So it's like, you know, again, can we figure out how we keep a roster together? Or is this just the nature of, you know, a mid-major basketball program in the NIL transfer portal era? It's just going to be constant turnover and you really can't build. You know, maybe that's just the way things are. But it's probably a mixture there, Nate. I, I do think, listen, team's three and one right now, so we record. Um, we're complaining about Amari Williams. You're probably in decent shape, right? We're probably actually, don't get too high after the opener. Probably don't need to get too low uh, right now. Um, there's a middle ground here that says we're, we're, we look, you know, if you look back and you say ODUs would be a decent team in the CAA, Penn would be a, a decent team, not a you know, title contending team, but they'd be 500 or better probably uh, in the CAA. Um, and Arlington is basically a D6 school, so we ignore that one for a second. But, um, you know, they, they haven't been terrible. It's three home games and a neutral site game, so... You know, the, the profile is not bad, I guess is my point. You know, let's not get too harsh. We've been harsh on basically every single guy on the roster on this pod so far. Um, and we're three and one. So so we're losing sight of, sight of something. 
Hey, we, we lost a rider the year we went, went had 20 wins, didn't we? I was very, very, very much there, Leon, and that still hurts. <laughs> yeah. And that's where it set the expectation. I guess as I'm looking through this season, I just want to see, again, game by game, we're getting better. And where it ends up, we'll see. And then I think the long-term success, success with Coach Spiker is some way of carrying that one year to the next. I don't know how that's going to work out, but but yeah, just, you know, and thankfully, yeah, we've got two other games to talk about, which is better news. Um, so, you know, for the most part, I feel like so um, on Friday night. So I think we won. I didn't write the score down, honestly, but we played Arcadia home game one by 40. So I was saying kind of beforehand, I guess I look at these games as, as this opportunity, sort of like, you know, you go to Penn State game, they win, you know, by like, when they beat Rutgers like 55 to something on Saturday. And you're not going to necessarily get to see how a guy plays in crunch time, but you're going to see the whole roster. So and you can kind of get a look at different guys. So anybody have any comments or anybody stand out to them in the minutes they played on Friday? I don't watch the two games, the three games. Sorry. Yeah, I, I yield my time to Bill. I mean, I'll, I'll watch, I watch any game. I mean, you got guys, like you said, you got guys minutes who don't usually get minutes. I think that's you know, the biggest thing. Uh, Kobe McGee came in, posted some solid minutes. Um, I was a little surprised the two butlers didn't barely got any run. I think they got, what, eight minutes for one and four for the other or something along those lines. So, you know, it's strange to see even in a 40-point blowout that neither one of those guys really saw the court. So I don't anticipate we'll see that much this season at all. So that was kind of telling. Um, the biggest benefit I think that we got from that game is that it seemed to get Lamar Odin going a little bit. For this, I think he looked a little hesitant out there, and he went into this game, you know, knocked down some shots, scored in double double figures, and uh, it seems like that translated over into the, our the next game against Arlington tonight. So um, I'm happy about that. You know, he come away with a 40 point win. That's about all you can hope for. Everyone's healthy. Yeah, that's that's about the biggest takeaways you can get from a game like that. You think I said beforehand too. It, I you know, I like Kobe McGee. What I saw of him, and and I can say he's from Allentown, so he'd have to do a lot to get on my bad side. You know, Danny Hines from Allentown Central Catholic. I think he's the last sort of Lehigh Valley player. And oh no, uh, well, like Hawthorne went to uh, Seal High, so never mind. But um. But yeah, being an Allentown guy, I'll root for him. And it seems like he has pretty good size and he drove the lane a couple times, showed that he could shoot. So again, it's Arcadia, but at least he can do it against somebody. So I, I like to, I, I thought, I liked what I saw from him. One last thing, uh, and it's a silly, silly note, but I like it. Um, the referees for the Arcadia game were Tim Kelly, who's still officiating, God bless him, uh, out of Boston. Um, Steve Perry, which is probably out of Boston too. I would assume he's taking a, break from his other gig uh and then christopher slattery bill i hope to see shivers go up your son up your spine when you hear that last name I, i'd imagine it's related um so and, and any game where we win with a slattery in attendance is a good game as far as i'm concerned what's the connection there william you have it i was the uh he's a delaware university of delaware yeah, yeah. killed us yeah. killed us at delaware but you know maybe it's a good time to, to talk i've been seeing the conversations about how bad the CAA has been doing out of conference. So, and, and a couple of you guys have talked about the concerns about just scheduling these games, period. And then plus the league has done poorly. So um, maybe Dan or uh, you probably follow us. How bad is the league doing? And uh, how do you feel about how things have started out so far non-conference? Uh, wide variance is what I would tell you. Um, it's not, you know, and, and somebody tried to capture this on Twitter, I think, by just giving the records of like the top four schools and, and the rest of the conference. And I don't think that's fair because records at this time of year, it's like somebody's played two bye games against UNC and Duke and somebody else has played three D2 games. Like, don't give me records in mid-November because they're kind of meaningless. But um, yeah, I mean, Towson's 4-0 with four pretty good wins. Like Towson looks the part. Um they won at UMass on the road, at Penn on the road, at UNC Greensboro, who's actually pretty good this year on the road. Um, they should win their next few. Um, honestly, they should They should be. Should be. They got a tough one against Mercer um, this weekend, uh, Thanksgiving tournament. But they should be really like 9-0 and going into playing at Clemson um, if they do it right. Um, so they, they have a chance to make real noise. Um, Charleston did make real noise. They just beat, won the Charleston Classic, which is a tournament that they host every year. It's the first time winning. 
but they played Davidson, Colorado State, and Virginia Tech. Those are those are teams that are going to be you know bubble teams in a few months, um, almost all of them. So that's three real good wins. They beat Richmond in overtime right before that, um, and went to Chapel Hill and scored eighty six points in a one hundred two eighty six loss. Um, UNC, I think, is the number one ranked team in the country right now. So if you put up eighty six on them, you're raising my eyebrows a little bit. Um, so Charleston, Towson, which are supposed to be the flag bearers, have done have done their job. Uh, Hofstra's four and zero going into the St. Mary's game. They just got pummeled at St. Mary's, but St. Mary's looks legit. Top twenty five, legit. Um, but and Hofstra did beat Iona, who's a top one hundred team right now at home. And Iona will probably hold serve. They've also got a road win at Princeton, who we'll see in a couple weeks. But Princeton should be pretty good and compete in the Ivy. Um, Delaware. Bad loss at Air Force, then they lost to Duke. I don't know what you can pull from that. There's nothing there that wouldn't be like, yeah, they should have beat Air Force. But um, first D1 game of the year, it was on the road. Whatever happens, let's see how they do Colgate for them on Friday. Uh, this Friday for Thanksgiving is going to be a big game. And then Wilmington, I think, is the team. Wilmington's probably the team that I was kind of out on, um, that everybody else is in on. Um, but they've... They've beaten two non-D1s, and they've lost to like three ranked opponents. They've lost at UNC, UConn, and Oklahoma. So again, what can you read from that? Somebody's going to tell me they're 0-3 against Division One opponents. Okay, they played UNC, Oklahoma, and UConn. So jury's out. Which is to say, I think the top of the league is still pretty good. Matter of fact, might be much better than the years past. Um, the bottom of the league is really bad. It just is. Um, I think Elon, William & Mary, Hampton, um, I've heard nothing but not good stuff out of William Mary thus far. Hampton, the quote I got from somebody was they don't look CAA caliber at this point. Um, listen, you look at Hampton and A&T and Monmouth, they're transferring up. You don't really expect them to be CAA caliber because they didn't recruit CAA caliber athletes for the last three years. Um, there's going to be some growing pains. It looks like they're going to be pretty pretty stark. Um, Stony Brook's probably the team I'm disappointed by. Um, they're one of three, but they just lost at Brown. Um, they, they don't have a D1 win yet. They've got losses at Florida, Rhode Island, and Brown. So they got swept by the state of Rhode Island. Again, you lose at Florida, you lose at Rhode Island. You're not really shaking your head too much either. So I don't think we've taken like terrible losses yet. At Air Force for Delaware is bad. At Brown for Stony Brook's not good. But those are things that CA teams do even when we're in an up year. Um, juries, it's a little early. That's what I would tell you to say to dog the league this yet. I do think the new additions are going to be a drag this year. And I think that's by design. And I think that's okay. Uh, but the top of the league looks pretty good. Yeah, I guess you just wanted to see yeah, a, a, a conference champion that's not, what, like 17 and 12 or something like that. So I guess you're right. Yeah, because I was thinking in terms, like I've seen some of the scores out of NCA and T and stuff, and I'm like, man, they're really bringing us down. But if they add add wins to the top part of the league, make them their schedules or like their, their records look a little bit better, you know, for the... I mean, thanks, Dan. That was perfect. I, I thought I was putting you on the spot, but you came through. And, you know, people like me sometimes and a lot of people, casual fans, will look at just the records and be like, oh, my God, you know, how'd they get in the tournament? And they're 17 and 12. So, I mean, hopefully I and yeah, obviously I'd love it to be us, but there will be a year where it will be us. And if Towson does the work for us or somebody like that, Charleston, raise the profile of the league. I think that's helpful. One school, Northeast. Northeast has got to show me more they're owed for. All four D1 games, all four of them were relatively, I mean, at Syracuse is not super winnable, but at Providence, um, they're okay this year, but they're like NIT okay. And then BU uh, on the road, and then Harvard at home. Harvard at home probably feels a lot to them like Penn at home did for us. Um, and we were picked next to each other in the standings. So I'd imagine you're going to hear a lot about the co-op schools kind of in that fifth, sixth, seventh, battling it out. Right now, I'd say we profile a little bit better than that. I, I still think the Dragons are, are looking to outkick that set number seven pick um, based off of the early season look. And um, I think we all agree they, they can play better than they have. So that's a good sign. We'll move on. And, and again, we started the, the tournament uh, tonight. Uh, well, we're taping on Monday. So, and, and correct with Gulf Coast Classic. Is that what we're calling this thing? I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but either it's the way, Gulf, it's so, the Gulf, excuse me, it's the Gulf Coast Showcase, guys. Come on. It's got a, it. Thank you. It's a, it's a, it's happening down in Estero, Florida, where the Hertz uh, moved their headquarters to. It's this, this is a happening town and a happening place. They had electricity and no leaks. Come on. This is a step up for us from a pre early season tournament standpoint. So, you know, 
especially if the hurricane coot, because I mean, it didn't that area get hit pretty hard. So yeah, if they're, they got the arena through it, it looks like, so that was good to see, but, uh, but now, so we started out tonight, we played uh, UT Arlington and uh, so picked up, you know, a nice win. So we win 59 to 38 in the first round of this tournament. And so, man, I hope that I don't screw it up because it was such a great quote from the, the play-by-play guy or whatever. He was like, uh, the coal, the coal train is coming down the tracks. So if I got it right, really, he kind of bookended this game of just kind of dominating. So I think he had, I was trying to count this up. We'll see how good my math is, but he had 11 of our first 17 and we shot out of the gate up 17 to seven. Uh, we probably missed that because unfortunately it looked like the production got taken over by aliens and you couldn't really see what was going on. But, uh, and, and that was down, uh, UT Arlington called a timeout with about 12 minutes to go. We were up 10. Uh, we got sloppy. We played yeah, actually pretty poorly, especially, I thought, especially towards the end of the first half. I think we had like 10 of our 14 turnovers were in the first half, and a lot of them seemed like they came late. And then uh, UT Arlington made a couple runs at us. I don't think they got any closer than probably within like, uh, let's see, like five with about um, 14 minutes to go. But then we closed the game on another run. Uh, that is a 21 to five. I think it was 16, 16 at one point. And again, it was Coltrane that triggered it. He had 11 more down the stretch, finished with 22. And uh, he was six of eight from three and eight of 13 overall shooting. So he was terrific tonight. And they kept leaving him wide open and he killed them uh, pretty, pretty much every time it felt like. Odin had a great game tonight and used his athleticism, used his slide, size, got to the rim, uh, you know, had a really good game and maybe again carried over from that Arcadia game. And the other thing those games can do, they can be quote unquote get right games. I mean, that's what happened for him. So uh, he, he was terrific for us. We didn't have to rely on Amari as much. He had 10 points. He was four or four from the line. And that's something else I think that factors in with him in the post. If you can get foul and get to the line, that could be a big part of your game. So maybe sign up good things to come for him. And again, I guess the only down though, uh, Okros, unfortunately, 0 for 4, total 0 of 3, or uh, 0 for 3 from three-point range. So you guys already kind of covered it, trying to get him going. But overall, uh, again, Coltrane was terrific. Uh, UT Arlington was terrible. They shot 25% for the game. Maybe give our defense some credit for that too. So uh, good to... Uh, so yeah, here's that progress we were talking about. So even as this podcast pro- was is progressing, hopefully I'm not sounding as depressing, and we're seeing some some progress being made here. So, I mean, I just think it was it was nice to see the guards carry us a little bit this time, with, uh, especially Coltrane and Odin. Like you said, um, I mean, Odin really got going. He looked good. It's important for how good we're going to be this year is is relying on him a little bit at least. Um, and Coltrane was was awesome. I mean, not only was he hitting open shots, but even created a couple looks for himself too and knocked him down. Uh he really put that put the game out of reach for those guys. Um you know, Amari only had ten and ten. It was an okay game for him. He was in foul trouble, but you know, we won anyway. And that's important, I think. We can't rely on Amari to, you know, have twenty and nine every game. So we're <laughs> I mean, hopefully we can, but that, I don't think he will every game. So it was, it was good to see those guys step up. Bill, I love the fact that we're at the point where Amari gets 10-10, four uh, assists, a block and a steal in 26 minutes, and we're like, yeah, no, should have done better. <laughs> it's, his wor- it's his worst game of the season. I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was good. He's still in, and he had on defense, he impacted a lot, you know, in their blocking shots. He's a really good player. I mean, they we're lucky to have him, but he can't just have one guy, no matter how good one guy is uh not going to carry the team so i was really happy with especially like i said with lamar and just stepping up oh gross something needs to be done and i think everyone's on board at this point he can't just be out there oh not doing much i mean he's not he's not like a bashir mason or something where he's locking down on defense to the point where you know you need him out there to get steals and, and shut down the other other team's best defender i mean even if he's a slightly plus defender, it's it's not worth it for him to not be knocking down three. So we need more out of him, or he needs to not be playing as much. And we all agree, great kid. Everybody wants us wants him to succeed. I think the play that was telling. I think he drove the baseline and had a pretty easy layup and just missed it. And that happened last year too. I remember the Princeton game that comes to mind where 
he was, you see, he was trying to add that to his game, driving the baseline, and it just, for some reason, just couldn't finish. So, yeah, we, we've got to get him doing some other, something else other than shooting the ball. If we're just saying, hey, shoot out of it. Uh, in the meantime, he's got to do something else. So hopefully his coaching staff can figure out something. Or, yeah, we, we got to go look, look up for other places. So I just don't think he has the confidence. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know where he lost that confidence because he was a great shooter coming in. I mean, the tournament run, he stepped up huge, hit big shots for us. So I, I don't know what happened. I mean, maybe, he's, like we said, hey, maybe he's still hampered by that injury a little bit, but he's got to get his confidence back and find a shot. I don't know exactly how you do that, but coaching staff has yeah, to find a way. Sometimes you just need a little reset, right? Like he had a pa pass go through his hands today. Like he maybe just needs to come off the bench a couple of games for that reset. But, uh, you know, I don't want to, again, these guys are college athletes. I, I always, uh, it's, it's, uh, difficult sometimes to be so harsh <laughs> on these players, but at the same time, he he's a fourth year player that, you know, we're expecting more out of it. We want to see more out of because we want him to succeed, you know, and that's where, I think we struggle a little bit on we don't know what's happening right that right now with Okros, you know. And Odin, again, if we didn't have this game uh, and we were recording before this game, I would say I'd be a little down on Odin as well. Uh, but he, Arcadia, I guess, got the cobwebs out of him and he's able to show up to this game and had an amazing game. In addition to Coltrane, who, again, you know, I think going into this season i think everyone's been high coltrane being the new leader of the team sorts and i think the performance today you know had leadership written all over it uh and he loves those long threes man let me tell you let some of those three-point shots i think see steph curry out there so does luke house uh you know i uh <laughs> it was great it's great to see um first of all also coltrane's bigger like he's been in the gym man like he got if you Look at him when he walked in as a freshman and him today. You can fit two of his arms the freshman year into one. Um, you know, it, it's a, he put on a lot of weight, which is good uh, in muscle. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the kind of the clothes I have on Mate is just, and, and I do think it's, it's an injury. You know, I, I, have, nothing, I have no insider knowledge. I, I don't know anything. I, I just, um, he took a three, uh, a pen game that was just really off and just stuff that's uncharacteristic for him. Um, so I, I go back to last year when JB was, was, was not, you know, he was struggling to get through, put it that way. And we were playing him over Amari at times and all of us were like kind of throwing stuff at the screen. Like I'm all for loyalty, especially to a guy who's been here four years, serves you well, helps you bring in Amari, right? Like there's a lot of, I mean, he's, we got to be behind Matei the guy because he's an awesome guy from all accounts. Um, but you can't let that loyalty get in the way of, you know, the program forward. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm really intrigued. I'll be keeping a close eye on kind of how this one plays out. Um, and hoping, hoping if he's, if it is an injury, it's a, it's a short, he'll, he'll bounce back. If it's mental, same thing, you know, maybe it's a change of scenery to you, to your guys point, maybe pull him off the bench, but, um, really want him to be successful. It's important for the dragons for him to be successful. Uh, cause again, who else, who, who's walking through the door? Um, so they got to figure out a way to, to make that right. Yeah. Like I said, you he's not a small guy i mean he's got good size so you feel like you know yeah even you know can he can he you know pump fake and and get to the rim get to the line he's probably a decent free throw shooter so again some of that i put that on the staff of finding other ways that he can help out while he kind of gets gets right with the shot yeah i'm, I'm just hoping like when blakeney comes back that you know he can take some of these meds and make the decision a little bit easier i think to your point you're like who's who's going in i mean maybe you're playing bergens but if they really like him as you know, more of the backup point guard and then you know, playing some two occasionally. But um, if Blakeney comes back and is ready to play, I hope they don't continue to leave Oakhurst out there if he's struggling. I mean, you really got to, you know, do what's best for the team, like, like Dan said. Um, but I hope he finds his way. I was hoping he'd come in this year and just shoot a higher volume than he had previously because I really do think he has a great shot. It's just not falling for I think it has. I think it has to be mental. The only other quick notes I had on the lineup, just real fast, we're, we're I'm really comfortable before we are at the fives. Like Garfield Turner's a really capable um, CA level backup backup center. I, I really like what I've seen out of him. Um, I think Justin Jennings was, was on with us, and he said, you know, you're gonna love the hustle. You're gonna love it. Yeah, all that stuff is true. You know, really enjoyed and Amari in front of him, him behind. I feel like we have legitimate depth up there. 
you know, we're not going to get run in the front court at any game. I also think I don't mind more than Bergens. I mean, Justin, he's a freshman. He's had some freshman moments, um, but he, he's shown flashes too of of having a steady handle and, and being under control. And, and um, Bergens behind him. It's funny. One thing I, I can't not see Zach Walt um, when I look at Jamie Bergens play, um, just because they both, to me, have a lot of those, oh, don't do that, don't do that, please don't do that plays, um, but also have like this is a complete toolbox of skill sets. So it's kind of nice to feel like, I feel like we've got a good situation at the one, a good situation at the five, and it's that positionless basketball that's, uh, that's kind of given us problems right now. And, and that feels like you have a lot of different tools you can throw in that direction to, to, to get creative and try to fix it. And I think that this, I, I thought the first half of that gets pen, it was like we were afraid to shoot. And again, in the last two games, it's like guys are willing to let it rip. And I think that's what's frustrating in the first half. It's like, hey, you know, we're going to lose, fine, but go down swinging. And I, I'm thinking that I, I half hate that expression or that, that cliche, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If it's a dumb shot, don't take it, you know. But, it, you know, at least we're, you know, yeah, Coltree may be taking a bomb, but I don't want him doing that all the time. But you know what, if it's there, I'd rather you do that than turn the ball over or something like that. So at least we've gotten out of that kind of being gun shy that we were against Penn. Yeah, there was way too many hesitations during that Penn game. There was like, there's a couple of times where I just wanted Coltrane to just take the shot and he'd like look for the pass for some reason. It made no sense. And it seems like that's, he's got it out of his system, at least in this game. Hopefully that continues. You know, if you got the shot, just take it. Like I, it, nobody's going to, nobody's going to get on you until you miss probably 10 shots in a row, right? <laughs> Maybe at that point we'll start getting upset, but if it's Coltrane, if it's somebody that's a three-point shooter, if it's Amari taking three-point shots, yes. I think after the first, I would be upset. But otherwise, uh, take the shot. You have it. We we need to kind of shoot ourselves out of this, uh, out of some of the pain that we had. And I don't know how we held a team to 38 points. It, it seems insane to me. Like I think it, it was a little confluence of us kind of playing uh, good and also them just shooting horribly. But it's not like we play. I don't. Did you guys think we played amazing defense? I know Amari did his usual cleanup, of course, and he was involved in a lot of plays. But it wasn't like we were playing stifling defense here. Uh, you know, they have a sign in their locker room, Leon. You miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take over in the Arlington locker room. I mean, it, it looked <laughs> like it, right? I mean, it. They're terrible. Uh, there are teams that are deep. I think they went ten deep, like the, as far as guys who played like twenty minutes or more today. Um, and there are teams that are deep. Do that because they're deep, and there are teams that do that because they don't have anybody who's worthy of more minutes than anybody else. And I, I feel like we, we found that one. Um, they just look bad. That's all I got. I feel like the defense has been better overall than some of the past years. I mean, especially the early spike years. Um, it, it just seems like we have some guys who are better defensively. Um, Bergens, for instance, is, is really uh, playing well defensively. Um, even just Justin Moore's not bad defensively. I mean, I feel like some of the new guys are good along with, you know, Amari back there cleaning stuff up as he does, which just makes it easier for everyone else. So, you know, I, I do feel the defense is better, even though, like you said, Dan, the level of competition here wasn't wasn't the best. But in previous years we might have given up seventy or eighty points to to this team. Uh so I'm I'm happy that we're at least, you know, playing good defense on teams that we should be. So stats lie early in the season, but right now, as we said today, uh, Drexel Dragons are seventh in the country in field goal percentage defense. So, wow. I mean, you'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm back getting hyped up, Dan. You shouldn't have done that. We haven't turned anybody over all season long, Leon. So there's, there's a <laughs> plus and a minus. But, yeah, um, no, it's, it's the shots that have been falling for the opponents. It's um, just 36% from two. We'll call it the Amari factor. Uh, possibly also the UT Arlington factor, all placing together. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's the numbers, at least they lie early on, but they're decent. I mean, I feel like we're, and I don't have a stat to back this up. Maybe, you know, what I, I feel like we are playing a slower pace and maybe limiting possessions. I don't know if that's accurate. I just feel that way. And it goes back when I asked, I think it was coach Jennings, you know, about what style that we want to play. And I, I still think of us as being a little bit offensively challenged. So trying to limit possessions is probably the right way to play. So I don't know if you know anything that backs that up, but that's the sense I have too. So if you shoot poorly and you don't have any opportunities to score, it's a bad combination for what were they, the Mavericks, I guess. 
wasn't a good night for them. It's about the same as, as last year to date. As far as tempo, number of possessions per game. But anyway, so yeah, I, in a sense, I'm glad what uh, one of us was sick. Uh, one of us was at a Temple Villanova women's game longer than we expected. One of us was taking care of a baby. Two of us might have been taking care of a baby. So we got to wait a, an extra night and had some good news. Because like I said, I guess that's the point I was having. I just wanted to see us. I, I'm not calling us a CA champion even this year caliber, but at least seeing it get better game by game and 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 that's one nice thing with this tournament. I mean, they're right back at it tomorrow and the night after. So we get to see three straight games and you, you don't want to have Coltrane go you know, score 22 points tonight and then score five points tomorrow. And same with Odin, you know, have one point tomorrow. See these guys be consistent and see us looking for the same things night after night. So interested to see what happens tomorrow. Two things to leave you with, Nate. One is, yeah, if you're a rebuilding team and you're a top half CA team at the same time, then you are probably doing something right. Right? I mean... Um, and we profile that way right now. Uh, this, the other one is just a note, uh, Florida Gulf Coast won uh, the night cap today. So we have what looks like a capable Gulf Coast team. Northern Kentucky was no joke and they beat them by 20. Uh, they went out at USC earlier this year. So a pretty decent Florida Gulf Coast team, it looks like, uh, on, you know, in, in their, not home court, but hometown, I guess, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night afternoon. Tomorrow at 7.30 is the Florida Gulf Coast game, but it is a tournament that you seem to play for every position. I mean, the first, the second, the third, the fourth, fifth, all the way to the seventh. At least we won't be eight. We know that for a fact, right? So it's a positive way to look at things. So, uh, yeah, I think Florida Gulf Coast game tomorrow is going to be a good good challenge, but we'll see where we go from there. I'd... We'll move on. And good good lead in. And so if the men play at 7.30, so the women play at 6 o'clock home game against Lehigh. So you, know, you get home from work and – watch the women's game and probably they'll be backed up. So I'm sure the men's game won't start on time. So, you know, nice end of Drexel basketball, watch the women's game. And then right afterwards, pull up the men's game and there you go. So you just, I just planned out your night for you. So, but let's, let's take a, a step back here. So the women, and hopefully I don't miss a division three game. Like I almost did with the men's game or the men's team, but uh, the women's team played LaSalle. Uh, this was last Tuesday and uh, we lost 77, 74, I didn't see the game because of the time that it was going on. I tried to listen to it on the radio and I got, I think, the end of the game more than anything else. It, it just kind of, from what I could hear, kind of like a, a rock fight. Uh, you know, we got down in the second quarter. I had it. Uh, they were, it stopped me again. I'm going off the notes because I didn't, I didn't get to watch the game. But look, we got, got outscored something like 27-17 in the second quarter. Like LaSalle really shot well. I uh, hit a bunch of threes to build that lead. And then uh, we, we, on the other hand, shot poorly because uh, Shauna Washington got into foul trouble. I, I think I saw she only played 20 minutes. So in 16 points for her is like nothing compared to what she typically does. So really needed other players to step up. And speaking of, Kyla Lavelle did. Uh, she, had, she was 12 of 19 from the floor and had 31 points. Hannah Satman, head of Satman, had a, had a good game too. She had 12 points to chip in. and uh, But it just wasn't enough ultimately. Uh, you know, we didn't get enough maybe from some other players. And it seemed like one of those games where LaSalle kind of dangled the carrot, kept giving us some opportunities, and we just couldn't kind of take advantage of it. So, uh, and from what I hear, LaSalle has, has picked pretty high in the A-10, so uh, maybe a bigger game ahead of time than what I thought. So and a tough situation going over there. It was like a 12 o'clock start on a Tuesday. So uh, not the the, the kind of game you're going to real, be real fired up to play. But um, but anyway, um so we, we we dropped that one. So anybody catch it? Any thoughts on that LaSalle game at all? Yeah, I caught a bit of it. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the thing that came through in the broadcast over and over again was Kishana being in foul trouble. Um, tough foul out. Some of those were, were a little soft. Um, Kylie Lavelle, pencil her in for CAA first team for the next three years. You know, just be done with that. She's going to be elite in this conference for a long time, which is really cool. To see, um, I, I see, still see some, some great flashes out of Grace O'Neill. I know they're getting behind her. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, you had the combination, right, of Kishana sitting for half the game. Um, the team as a whole shooting 21% from three, just three of 14, while the other team shot almost 40%, right? And uh, it was still a one possession game at the end. So, like, they're a good team, top to bottom. They are. The, the girls can play. Um, the defense was a little lax, days at times. Um, third and fourth quarters, Nate LaSalle goes eight of 11 from three. 
that's a high percentage. <laughs> it's like 77% from three. It's just, you know, you do that with Kishan on the bench too. It's, it's tough to, tough to answer for that. I, I challenge LaSalle to go out in an open gym and do that tomorrow. So, um, sometimes you got to tip your hat a little bit to that, to that team's performance too. But, you know, LaSalle has everything go. You lose Kishana and you're still there on the road in a noon game. Like, it stinks because it's a, it's a bad outlier and, and you hate to see it. Um, but not, I'm still feeling pretty good about, uh, about who we've got on the floor for the Dragons. And I'll use this opportunity to, to plug Philadelphia women's basketball. It was like LaSalle's at least pretty good. Of course, we're good. You know, Villanova's in the top 25. I, I went to the Villanova Temple women's game last night. I didn't realize how many Temple players went with the Temple coach. And, and my son picked out the um, Malia Nelson as a point guard from Towson now at, at Temple. But then I looked and the other top scorer, uh, Gary, I, I think for Temple, um, you know, she, she was a Temple tra- or Towson transfer. So I, it speaks really highly of the CAA that, you know, you took – lot of the Towson team from last year put him in Temple and and that Temple team matched up with Villanova so St. Joe's just beat uh, Vanderbilt over the weekend so yeah I'm sitting there at the at the Leah Course Center you know maybe five ten minutes before tip and there's like nobody there so all I'm saying is you know not just supporting the Drexel team but getting out and checking out some of these women's basketball games around the city and of course Denise Dillon at Villanova that's a lot of why we were there so I you know it just always bugs me that you just you can't get the support behind the women's teams, but it's cheap seven bucks to get in at the game at Temple, so um, you get a chance to to go see some city games. That's uh, worthwhile. So, uh, but um, but we'll we'll move on to uh, so we played on Saturday against and, and this worked out well too. I didn't get to see this game, so I got to watch it last night, and uh, so we played Maryland Eastern Shore on Saturday. And we won this game 66 to 61. Uh, it was uh, just a pretty even game throughout. I mean, uh, you know, we I think our largest lead was by seven in the third quarter. And actually, the uh, Hawks had a lead in the fourth quarter. So they just wouldn't go away. They hung in there. I thought they they had a pretty good game plan for us. Uh, they pressed in the second half. They double teamed Washington. So, I, I mean, they, they, they came to play for sure. Uh, we had 15 turnovers, 10 of them in the second half when they were pressuring. So that's what kind of opened the door for, for the Hawks. But, uh, but yeah, this game, you know, Kishana did what she does. So she had uh, 12 points in the, uh, in the fourth quarter. A lot of them were for the free throw line. But if you talk about the Mari, sometimes you can just make a living there. You just get to the line, and, and that's how you, you kind of – that's what – uh, Maddie Segrist did for Villanova yesterday. She, you know, just kind of carried them down a stretch from the free throw line. and said she finished with 37 points. So uh, Kylie Lavelle, 11 points. It's it's another it, it, kind of Dan, like you've been saying throughout this too. It's a good problem to have when a freshman player has 11 points, and you're like, that wasn't her best game, but you know, did enough for us. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, I know it's a game you probably think that you should blow them out, but I thought I thought the Maryland Eastern Shore had a good game plan, played us hard. They did the same thing last year, and like we typically run into, we just kind of gutted it out and found a way to win. That's what we do. Dan, any thoughts on do you get a chance to see it Saturday? I, I offered my daughter the chance to uh, to go to the parade with all the fire trucks or go see the big girls play <laughs> basketball, and, and I apologize to the women of the team, but everybody between the age of 6 and 30 is a big girl to my daughter. Uh, and, and, uh, she chose the fire trucks. So I was, I was actually jacked up to bring her to the deck and, and I bring her to this game and, and, uh, we wanted to see the helping people. So I got nothing, I got nothing for you on, on this other than to tell you that last year at Maryland Eastern shore, they won 65, 60 and this year they won 66, 61. So almost, uh, almost identical scores back to back years, which you'll never see again. That's it. That's my tidbit. I actually went to the game. It was my first game at the deck. Um, nice this year so um i mean it, it was crazy to me that kishana had 37 when they were basically doubling her constantly to try to get the ball out of her hands and she still managed to score 37 on them regardless of how much is from the line and kylie actually i thought like the reason she didn't score much more was because they didn't give her the ball enough i thought i again get her the ball closer to the hoop at times i know she can shoot from outside as well but she's six two Beat her inside a little bit, and uh, I think you 
see a little more scoring there. But I, my, my biggest take of the girls team so far is that they need other people to step up a little bit more. There's times where like if those two aren't doing anything, there can be a drought. Um, and I know when, you know, two players, I think, are averaging, what, close, is it close to 50 points together at this point? I, I mean, it's, you don't need too much else. Um, but it would be nice to have someone else be able to step up and score in double figures occasionally, or at least multiple people on different occasions. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a fun game and they, they pulled it out. I mean, that's what good teams do. But the DAC, I'll tell you what, like for my first game there, it's a completely different animal than it was before. I mean, the more so the lighting than even the video board, like the lighting just makes it look like a more professional arena. I mean, it did on flow, like it made it look that way. And then when you're in person there, it's, it's impressive. And I think they did a good job with like the graphics and everything they're showing. So I was, it was a fun experience uh, being there for the first time and seeing it all. Yeah, I can't say enough about everything that's been done so far. I mean, it's, it's been a great start to the year and, and, I think, and, and going back, you mentioned something about inside. I think that the real key for us is how can we get our post players going? I think the ability is there. Valentine, Satman, I don't know that they're necessarily going to combine to be anything like Tess Brugler was. You, know, you think back, as I think about it, she was probably about the best post player I've seen in the, God, what, 20 years I've been following the women's program. So we were kind of spoiled there, but at least get them, you know, playing solid defense, hitting layups, you know, maybe, yeah, chipping in five, 10 points, something like that. Is really all we need, uh, and and I think that can make a big difference. So hopefully they progress as the season goes on. But um, but yeah, so nice win for them. And like I said, I, I think they have a nice schedule put together because Lehigh is typically a pretty good Patriot League team. So I think that'll be a decent test for them. And then like I said, they have, they have St. Joe's down the road who's who's playing well. So it'll be a fun non-conference season for the women's program there too. So. I wanted to touch on, and sorry, Leon, we're probably not following your your agenda too well. You mentioned Mariah Murray, and then I I searched that and saw the story. Fill us in on that about what went on there. I, I mean, I, I posted, I found it. It was just I was kind of curious what was going on, and there's you know sometimes it's hard to find news, but there happened to be an article. It seemed like she had a knee injury of some sort. They took a look at it. They thought it could be cancer. She then. I think started taking steps to address that. Obviously, she went home. Um, I think left the team at that point. It turned out not to be cancer, but I think you know there's still the injury there as well. So I think that's the main reason that she left the team. It seemed like she didn't really want to, but when you're in that situation, you know you feel more comfortable at home with your family. So yeah, that was that was what I found. Just figured I'd share it as uh, people were interested to see. You know, I, I'm kind of curious what, what the background was there. And it's not one of those you're going to go hunting around for information. You kind of, you never know what the circumstances are there. So, uh, yeah, wish her well. Glad to hear from what it sounds like. It's not anything malignant in her knee. And, and this, the selfish Drexel basketball fan that I am, you know, seeing how good Kylie Lavelle is, I'm happy to have her, you know, once this medical stuff clears out, hopefully she comes back and, and wants to play because I'm, I mean, yeah, kind of wonder how talented they were. Kind of like, you know, yeah, the the two top players of their best friends and all that sort of stuff. So, do what you need to do to get healthy, and then, man, yeah, come be a dragon because we'd love to have Northeastern PA, PA back. Um, they've they've done well for us so far. So, anything else we didn't touch on? I'm thinking of that agenda. The only thing I could think of really that we sh- should just talk about a little bit is just that, you know, our loan verbal commit signed. So, um. Or Simmons signed, so you know I think he's looks like a good get. I haven't watched him too much yet, but um, as the senior season progresses, I'll give some more detailed scouting reports on him. So far, he signed, so good news there. Do you have a score for him, Bill, uh, on the any star system? Do I what? No, I don't. I don't. I don't yet. I think I did. I saw him play once or twice already, um, but it was he was playing against Justin Moore at the time, so I really wasn't. Paying super close attention. Um, but I will eventually. Oh, as soon as the season starts up here, actually, then, I don't know, sometime in November, I think. So I'll start watching as many games as come online. Verbal Commits has him with offers from, uh, I mean, Marquette's the headliner, but um, Penn, Richmond, Fairfield, GW, Richmond, Mount St. Mary's, Albany, St. Joe's. Uh, and Brian and and so it's a it's a wide enough swath that tells you a yeah he's probably pretty good and b academically he's probably pretty solid too 
So uh, good head on the shoulders and, and a guy who should be at our level from the sounds of it, at the very least. I'm, I'm excited to see what Bill sees. Yeah, I mean, he's 6'6", six, six and he can shoot barely. I mean, that's, I don't know what else he brings to the table, but that alone it would take. Can we, I say, can we bring him in this year? We just, just promote him out of high school right now. <laughs> Early enrollment. Let's go. Yeah, keep us posted too. I mean, you know, his high school games, I wouldn't mind going to see him too. So yeah, if he's playing, and especially out central PA way and my family travels too. So that's good info for everybody to have. If we're going to go take a look at him, if there's a good game to go see, let us know. Yeah, I can let you know. I mean, I watch mostly online just because, I don't know, it's harder for me. I'm not in the area, so I don't really get to see the guys and it's just easier to watch them online, but um, I'll keep you posted. I want to throw in there too. It's a little aside. Uh, Dan, you mentioned you, that you missed the women's game Saturday. Uh, we I didn't see it live because my high school, Northwestern Lehigh, is winning the state soccer championship. And I happened to watch Friday night and Ari Bluestein was doing the, the PIAA soccer games. I guess they had somebody else do it Saturday. He did a nice job. And I just, uh, Ross Tucker used to do the football games. Now he's like, I think, the lead play-by-play guy for or color guy for, I think, CBS Sports Radio. I hear him on the radio all the time. So I don't know what uh, Ari's goals are in his career, but it's a good place to start with the state championships here. So uh, congratulations. did a nice job. And um, he. Fortunately, he missed the Tigers winning the state championship. Uh, but, uh, you know, either way, it was it was neat to hear his voice and see him on TV. High-level high school soccer is actually like, I, I, I love it. I love it. Um, it's a good time. So I'm glad, glad you gave it a shout. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do you one one other shout off topic while we go there. But you, sir, ran the Philadelphia Marathon, Nathan. Uh, and I saw, I did try to compare you with Hannah Nighill. I couldn't find her time. I, I did see she was running it. I saw you asking about that. She didn't run okay. it because they had it on Instagram of her running through Drexel. So okay. um, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what happened with the chip. But um, Sebastian Latou, the only guy in the Philadelphia Union Ring of Ring of Honor, ran it as well. Yeah. And he ran in a 3.55. What was your time, Nate? Uh, like 3.50 something there. So so um, you, you got him. You, you got him. The only Philadelphia Union <laughs> Hall of Famer was taken down by Nate Hammerly in the Philadelphia Marathon. Like I said, you know, just get running, go out. It's uh, that's where it starts. You say, hey, like I'm just gonna go run five miles, or not even, I'm gonna go two miles and five miles, and then we'll all do it next year, and then we can all. This can be a running podcast, like I was saying, it'd be pretty cool. So it goes through the off season, but I'm glad she's okay because you take that for granted. Like there's people that don't finish those things, and when I saw she didn't have a time, I was like, man, I hope nothing happened. But the the bigger issue with the cold is. You know, yeah, you're like trying to get your gloves on and start your timer and do all this other nonsense. And my my bib almost blew off in the wind. So it's like, yeah, maybe something like that happened. But just as long as she's okay and nothing happened because you kind of take that for granted. So um, you see, that's the kind of problems. That's the reason I don't do a marathon. You know, I'm always worried about my bib flying off. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing stopping me. I I worry (laughs) about my own death running those. uh, So I'm going to go ahead and avoid it. If we do do that, I'll probably be the guy that gets busted, like taking a cab at the end of the finish line and just smoking <laughs> you all in times. Yeah. Pittsburgh was worse because I almost drowned. And then after I almost drowned, I almost got struck by lightning. So the cold wasn't as big of a deal. So you're really selling um, us, Nate. <laughs> but either way, I'll see you guys out there next year. We're looking forward to that. So <laughs> if, um, if 10 of our listeners want to join Bill, Leon, and I, we'll do it as a relay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. All right. Anything else you guys want to throw out there? Good. I'm excited. I'm excited for tomorrow night now. Florida Gulf Coast. It's a good game. Me too. We ended on a high note, so I'm glad we waited today. So, all right. We'll see you guys probably around the same time next week. Thanks for listening.